We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I'm excited to continue my conversation today with Josh Spodek. We're going to talk about his book, Leadership Step-by-Step, that uh, was just released, and I encourage you to go check it out and then find out how to be a transformative principal. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode today, and thank you so much for listening to the Transformative Principal Podcast. One of the other things that I find fascinating about you, Josh, is that you don't do perfection right from the beginning. And your book is called Leadership Step-by-Step. And I believe you're working on a course called Sales Step-by-Step. And And Entrepreneurship Step-by-Step, yeah. Entrepreneurship Step-by-Step, yep. And you don't focus on being perfect right out of the gate. Can you talk a little bit about how that has impacted your life and how having that slow or rather just get started approach has been beneficial to you? Yeah. I mean, I used to try to do everything perfect. It was very uh, debilitating because you spend a lot of time planning. A lot of these projects, I learned, you know, I'm sure every teacher says this, you learn as much from the students as, as you figure they're learning from you. And I did a lot of projects where people would plan and plan and plan and plan to try to make it perfect the first time. And invariably, the students who would just do something, anything, and then iterate and iterate, the, I believe that I can tell you the quality of something better through knowing the number of iterations it's gone through than any other way of measuring its quality. And the way to get many iterations is to get going however you can at first and then just improve, 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 improve. I guess there's a story that uh, it's in some book. I haven't read the book, but I've just read this passage online where apparently someone was teaching a, a pottery class. And for some reason, the teacher said, I'm going to divide the class in two. And one half of the class, I'm going to, I'm going to give you your grade based on the quality of the final piece that you make. And the other half of the class, I'm going to give you your grade based on the 
how much all of your stuff weighs. So I'm not going to look at the quality of it and I'm just going to weigh it. And so you expect it to be the first one, the first group where you're measuring on quality, they're going to have the higher quality, but it turned out that the other one had higher quality. And I don't know how they measure the quality objectively, but, or if they did subjectively, but you know, the more mass group, they were just like, all right, got to make more pieces. And every time they made a piece, they're like, oh, I learned something from the time before I, if I'm going to make it, I might as well make it using what I learned and learn, 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 learn. And it gets your skills developed more and more and more. And so I've tried to take that to heart. I still catch myself trying to do things perfect, but it's much more effective to iterate. And that means get it out there, whatever, you know, get something out there. Yeah. That is so powerful. This podcast that we're on right now is a good example of that. In in my experience, I started this in December of 2013. And so it's been over three years right now is how far into this we are. And my first interview, which is embarrassing to listen to, I can't even go back and listen to it anymore, but I had a microphone sitting in between me and the person I was interviewing, but it was facing the wall instead of facing one of us so that it could get us both equally. And I was I was so nervous to talk to that principal that I was interviewing at that time and not sure what it was going to turn out like and whether it was going to be any good and whether anybody was ever going to listen to it. But I knew that I just needed to start. I had this desire and I knew that I needed to do it and I just needed to start with something. And originally I was going to just do it every month because I didn't think I could get people to answer. And now I'm recording things that are a couple months out from being released. And and it's just amazing how I've gotten much better at doing this and I'm still not perfect. I'm sure there are a lot of things I can improve. And I'm sure many people who are listening would say, yes, you could improve this. But I've learned a ton. And just that iteration has been incredibly powerful. And I've got way more things in place to make it smooth for the guest and for, you know, making sure they know what's going on and and all that. So anyway, it's just, it's been powerful to see this podcast in particular, work through that. And of course, everything else works like that as well. And a lot of us, especially in education, think that we need to start out perfect. And we have a lot of pressure on us to do that. And I just want to reiterate again to all the principals and aspiring principals out there that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to start. And once you start, then a lot of things can can happen that you didn't know were going to happen. And so anyway, it's just a, a, a powerful lesson. I'm, I appreciate you sharing, especially that pottery example. I think that that's really a neat idea. I imagine huge piles of clay that just did not work out <laughs> sitting on the, on the student's desk as the teacher comes by to grade it. So that's a great story. It, yeah. And another big one is um, Woody Allen said 80% of success is showing up, something like that. And so I've always put a high value on just doing something, being there. And it connects really closely with project-based stuff. And, you know, in I feel like in the K-12 space, people who get into teaching this way, you know, the big challenge there is, I think, common core and teaching to the test. And and I'm not sure because I'm not there. And if you don't have a principal that supports that way and you're a teacher, you're the only teacher in the school who wants to teach that way, you're going to go up against a lot of resistance and the parents don't quite get it. So I think people really like Chris Lehman's environment because he's it's from the ground up that way. So in a university environment, it's people kind of get that it's active learning is important, but the teachers generally, the professors generally don't know it. I mean, usually the top ranking or the most important professors, the ones with the most sway are the ones that publish or perish their whole lives. 
So they're very effective at reading and analyzing and writing what they've analyzed, but not necessarily such great teaching skills. And even when they say, oh, yeah, I do some really active stuff, they mean they call on people, which is not that active. And right. I've been really swept up in wanting to transform higher education and, and bring about the big shift that I see is going from a view right now that people say that like everyone seems to be up for supporting STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. They're all like, yes, we should support that. That's we, how we innovate. That's how we keep ahead and gets where jobs are and things like that. And a lot of people say, well, there's also the humanities and a, a full liberal arts education involves the humanities too. And I view, that's how I used to look at it too. But now I think it, the difference is less science and technology and math versus history and, and, and like language and things like that. I think more important is I view all of those subjects, if all of those subjects, if you teach them through a teacher lecturing and then reading, reading and writing without actually doing, I call that intellectually challenging, but socially and emotionally passive. Yes. And the way I teach, I think of it as socially and emotionally active. I think if we look at the difference, not subject matter versus one subject matter versus some other subject matter, but are we teaching actively versus are we teaching passively? That's the difference. And I think a passive education at a time, at an earlier time when you would get a job at a place and your career meant climbing up the corporate ladder and retiring with a gold watch after 50 years, you want compliance and you want passivity because that's what's successful. And I don't know people who work at some place for longer than a couple of years. I mean, my dad has tenure at a university himself, but outside of that, like most people work at, at places for a couple of years and then they move on to the next thing. And they're giving pro- the projects that they work on in the world are people don't know, like you projects now are not, it's like, what's this market doing? How do we figure it out? It's so open-ended that if you're, if you take a passive compliant approach to it, you're going to, you're a liability. Yeah. And as a side effect of all of this, I've read Plato or I guess more Aristotle since learning this stuff more actively than I ever did before. So it's not just, well, it's, it's the teacher's responsibility to make sure that the, what they're teaching will give the student a theoretical background as well, not just blindly doing stuff. Like I'm not just telling them do stuff. I have to make sure that I come at it with, I mean, my, though I think about it, like if you're going to teach music, the teacher has to know musical theory lecturing the musical theory at a student doesn't help them play the instrument. But playing the instrument, if you just say like pound on the piano keyboard with your fingers, they're not going to learn much theory. You teach them scales and scales didn't come out of nowhere. That came out of the teacher knowing theory. So I think that you teach, if you if the teacher creates effective exercises, the students will learn theory and practice. So they'll get everything that you would get in a passive class. Plus it's more you, you have practice, practicing, you have experience. And if you do it effectively, if you really, if you engage the students and the students care more about what they're doing. Yeah. I think that's a, a great example. Can you talk a little bit about reading philosophy more actively? What does that actually look like and how could we actually do that? Well, I wasn't reading it because it was philosophy. I was, re- I was reading uh, Aristotle's rhetoric because he talks about the different ways of insul- influencing people. And I thought, I got to reread this because it sounds like he wrote a book on leadership. And he's talking about influence. And so there's, there's ethos. And, oh, crap. My, my Greek isn't so good. There's, there's three modes of influencing people that he talks about. There's your, your reputation, ethos, logos, and pathos. Pathos. So yeah. So there's, is like through emotions, through logic, through your reputation. And I remember thinking, what about influencing people's behavior? What I call try before you buy. Or the way I think of it is if it's like if your friend said they were going to go out dancing with you tonight and then they're like, Oh, I'm too tired. I don't feel like going out. Logic isn't going to get them out. 
emotions aren't going to get them out. Reputations are going to get them out. But if you can get them up and moving around, there's, that's, I think, your best chance. If you can put on some music and get them dancing in the apartment, then maybe they'll go out to the club too. Yeah. And if you want someone to learn how to sell, if you get them to sell, like the first exercise I give in my sales class is, so the first class is kind of laying out the groundwork and giving them a taste of what's to come. And then we go around the room so everybody meets each other. And I talk about the core, anyway, the assignment is, I get an, I, I reach into my bag and I pull out an apple and I say, your exercise this week, between now and next week is you have to get an apple and sell it. And, you know, if you have to give it away, give it away, but do your best to sell it at the highest price that you can get for it and try to get it at the lowest price so you can get the highest profit you can. And everyone's like, the room always goes like, they're like, that's easy. And then suddenly they switch to, oh, that's not so easy. And a lot of people look at sales as a scary thing. It's very emotionally intense. And then next week we come back and a couple of people sold them for a couple of dollars and they've done these fun things. And that motivates people in a way that, you know, I was reading, I was reading the, the old stuff to find out what was there before. And a lot of leadership overlaps a lot with happiness and how to create happiness and how to create meaning and value and importance uh, and reward. And so Alfred Whitehead, I think said all Western philosophy is footnotes to Plato. So mm-hmm. you eventually get back to those guys. If you're studying anything, I, what I'm teaching a lot of it is very close to what I consider the original questions of philosophy is what is a good life and how do I make mine better? And I feel like those guys, Plato and Aristotle addressed it. Not only those two, but those are the two top ones. And everyone since then is commenting on them because they got to it first. So I had to go back and see what was there. And that's on the Western side. Then you have to do the same in different traditions. Yeah. You don't have to. It's just, you feel, I felt compelled to because my teaching is for me a project. It began with that weekend in, at Science Leadership Academy that it was very clearly a project. I was doing a project like I now assign with all these people around me and I was using them as resources. I was basically a student at SLA, except for Educon instead of for the school district of Philadelphia. Yeah, which is the point of Educon is to help us all be students and teachers and leaders together, which you know so incredibly powerful and I just love that. I've never been to Educon myself, but someday I will go and I can't wait for that opportunity. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Josh, would you talk about your book, Leadership Step-by-Step Step, and and what people will get out of it? I've got a link to it in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org and people can get that from Amazon or probably other places. But can you talk a little bit about the the book and how it's set up, not like every other book? Yeah, I, I mean, I've after business school, it was starting in business school, I read a lot of stuff on leadership and I kept learning more and more. And I kept practicing more and more. And the more I practiced, the more I found that I was learning much more through practice than through reading and through all the passive approaches. And I was starting to coach. And one of my influences is Marshall Goldsmith. He's one of the top leadership coach. He keeps getting rated like the number one leadership coach in the world. And he teaches through exercises. So I kept developing all these exercises and using his. And eventually I realized that you know those exercises are what became the equivalent of scales, you know, when I talked about how we teach, how I I'm, I'm model, how I teach on, uh, how we teach acting and, and music. So eventually I created this course of leadership, starting from practicing the basics, like three raisins, moving up to some very advanced stuff. And then I started looking around, there must be something out there that does this already. And there's nothing out there that does this already. Even Marshall's exercises were just a few here and there. They weren't put together into a comprehensive integrated progression that started from the basics and got you to advanced. And so for years now, every time I pass a bookshelf that has leadership books, 
I look to see if there's any new ones and I keep looking. Is this a book about leadership that talks about principles and, and theory? Or is it a book that teaches you how to lead? And not one of them has been a book on here's what to do to get the experiences and beliefs and skills of an effective leader. And look, I, I like writing, but I, I wasn't going to sit down and write that book until I felt absolutely compelled to because it doesn't exist and it works. And so the book is a, is a set of exercises based on the course that begins from basic, simple skills that are still useful no matter how, no matter how well you lead, how much experience you have leading. Three Raisins is still an interesting exercise. You know, it's, it's, I think of it like, like, I don't know, dribbling or layup drills in basketball. Before the NBA finals, they're still practicing layups. They're still practicing jump shots. And these are like layups and jump shots. And so uh, my, my book agent was, the, the first version of the book was just like, here's the instructions, do these exercises. And she said, Josh, you got to put some stories in there. People really like stories. And so the structure of the book is 20 exercises and the structure of each, one exercise per chapter. And the structure of each chapter is a story that describes the, the skills and the experiences in usually it's a, uh, someone, well, it's either a historical leader or it's students or it's me, something personal. And it's how the exercises that you're going to learn, or sorry, the skills and beliefs and, and skills that you're going to acquire from the exercise. It's a story relevant to that. Then it's the exercise. And then there's the post-exercise reflection. And it's, all I can say is that the, the results from the students are that they, you know, they're like, I've never done anything like this before. I didn't know that I could learn these things and I want more of it. Yeah, that's cool. Very nice. Well, I'm excited to read that book and uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Josh. What is one thing a principal can do starting today to be a transformative principal? Well, the first thing that comes to mind because of our conversation is Educon, is I would say go to Educon because you'll meet a lot of people who are passionate and skilled and incredibly willing to share. And they've gone through all these, these mistakes that you can learn from so that you can make much better mistakes yourself. Then it, I, I hope this doesn't sound too uh, like plugging my own stuff. But the reason that I created my book is that people would ask me, how can I lead better? And my best answer is to do the exercises in the book. It's the best course of action that I can think of. And I think a course of action is the only way to do it. I think reading and watching videos and listening to other stories better than nothing. But I think, I mean, I created my book because I cannot think of a better way to convey how to improve your leadership skills. And it's, it's leadership in any context, in any type of relationship where there's some give and take or influence. Yes. Thank you. I think those are, are both wonderful pieces of advice and people can learn more about you by going to joshuaspodek.com or can enroll in your leadership courses at Spodek Academy or can follow you on Twitter and maybe learn about how you've been doing burpees for six years at, <laughs> uh, at Spodek. So <laughs> we didn't even get to that, but I'm sure there's, there's some great stories. Thank you so much, Josh, for being part of the Transformative Principle Podcast. Jethro, thank you very much. That was a great interview with uh, Josh Spodek. I really enjoyed it. I especially loved his idea of grading by weight. I think that's an awesome idea. So thank you so much for listening. And please share this with somebody that you think could improve their leadership by listening. And again, thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.